Please be seated. Please be seated. Uh, we are in our series, the, the Gospel Plan series, the GPS. How many of you are uh, ready to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say? Yes? Awesome. So we've been uh, reading the Bible. We are in Mark now. Uh, the, so I'm, I'm going to preach from what you're going to read in this coming week. So I'm going to preach from Mark chapter 8, 34 and 35. Um, and let me read it for you in Mark chapter 8, uh, verse 34 and 35. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Right? That's from Mark. Um, deny. Deny yourself. The word deny yourself, it means to disown. You disown. And so what do we disown? And I want to share my life and the scripture today and the reason why our church is here and what we need to do. Why are we here? And one of the reasons why we're here is to follow Jesus. And we are laying the ground for what's going to happen in this coming month and years. So all these sermons are very important in terms of our vision for the church. And I want to share that with you. Okay. So I cried. Um, I cried because it was December 4th, 1998. It was Saturday night, and I cried, and I cried a lot. And I was turning to the left and to the right, and I was crying. Because on December 5th, 1998, we were going to have a service uh, for me to go and serve the Lord full-time, right? in the full-time ministry. And that wasn't my plan. I didn't want to become a pastor. Uh, it wasn't my dream at all. So I cried on Saturday night. I had to struggle with the Lord on that. Um, uh, and I cried a river. You know. uh, and on December 5th, uh, pastors from the cities and uh, leaders that I know uh, on Sunday evening, I knew they came and they laid hands on me and they prayed for me and set me apart for the work of the kingdom. Um, disowning. You disown your dreams so that you can discover God's dream for you. But it's not easy. It's not e I don't know how it is for you, but it wasn't easy for me. Right? It wasn't easy for me. Uh, and uh, so... What is God asking you to disown uh, in your life? What is it that God is uh, asking you to deny uh, what you have in your life? Um, God called me when I was 24. He called me when I was 24 years old to be in the full-time ministry. And it took me five years 
to say yes to him. No? It took me five years to say yes to him. Because how did this happen? Um, and I was bargaining with the Lord on serving him. So give me another year and I will do this for you. Uh, give me another year and I will do this for you. It didn't work. It didn't work, you know, and, but I did for five years. See, one thing I realized in those five years is that God was so patient. You know, he didn't open up the ground and swallow me, you know. It's like he was very patient with me. And what he did was he brought a lot of mentors in my life. He brought a lot of leaders in my life that would invest in me during those five years. And I had to give up my pride and 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 and, uh, the, and serve the Lord. So, what was my dream? My dream was to help pastors. I want to make a lot of money. I, I want to have lots of power, real power, okay, political power. Uh, and I was training for that, and I was almost tasting it. I'm I'm almost there. And it was during that time God called me to say, "Oh, lift that thing and come and serve me." That's why I cried. It, even though I haven't had it yet, I'm almost there. I'm almost tasting it. And I was crying because I had to give up that power. I had to give up that idea of having lots of money and helping other pastors. No, I didn't want to become a pastor. That wasn't my dream. So I used to think, okay, how did Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, how did they do it? I mean, I don't know how they did it. Christ said, come, follow me. And they just left everything and followed. He, I, I don't know how they did it. That wasn't me. It wasn't me. I was very good in bargaining, right? Yes. And I grew up in Delhi. It's a city, uh, 20 million people. You got to bargain there for everything. And I was bargaining with God, right? So this disowning uh, uh, dreams to find out God's dream, it's not easy. See? It's not easy. Just continue to follow with me on this theme of disowning and denying, right? Um, and uh, 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 the scripture says again, um, um, deny. If you desire to come after me, deny. See? It's voluntary. Right? If you want to follow God, it's voluntary. He didn't force you. He is not going to force you to do something. Uh, you have to have that desire. So my wife and I, along with our kids, uh, came to California to spy on a, our mission field. Okay? This was 2014. 2014, we came to spy on this land um, we've, because we felt like God was calling us here. So when we came here, um, um, we didn't see the giants like, you know, oh, by the way, the giants were not doing well. <laughs> and uh, 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 there was no grapes as big as like giant grapes. No, we didn't see that. There was no milk and honey too because we were driving all the way from L.A. up here, down, west, east. There was no milk and honey. In fact, it w there was drought, you know. So every, everything was dry and brown. And Mr. Brown was the governor anyway, you know. So, uh, uh, and uh, so we went back home. And I call, we called uh, our friend Gilbert. Uh, he's a pastor. He was a pastor in California. And say, hey, Gilbert, uh, 
um, we feel like God is calling us to California, so can you tell us about the ministry in California? And he said, oh, Valui, Margaret, come on over. It's so easy here. I just have baptized 800 people, you know. I mean, um, and so we came here, uh, and I can tell you, you should beware of Scottish pastor. That's what I want to tell you, <laughs> right? You just beware of them. I mean, they're, I, I, won't, I will not say anything more than that, all right? Uh, I'm meeting him in another week. So um, is uh, uh, Dr. Hoyt here? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, uh, those crazy, cool, wired, crazy Scottish pastors. You know them, right? And he said, oh, it's so easy, Valui. I just, I baptized 800 people, you know. Uh, so we came. And then we quickly found out, one of the things we found out here in Silicon Valley is that uh, uh, Silicon Valley is obsessed with young people, okay? This is a culture that is into youth culture, um, and this obsession into youth culture is reflected in the work culture. So the work culture, uh, the, average wor- the average worker in Silicon Valley in big companies are 29s and, and younger. Right? And Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he would say young people are smarter. So they hire a lot of young people. So I started looking, okay, what am I going to do in this young, obsessed uh, culture? What should I do? And I look at them and they're wearing hoodies, Right? Uh, and they wear T-shirt and jeans, the same color all throughout the year, right? So I said, okay, I got a great idea here. So what do I do? I, I, I got to have a skinny jean and cool hairstyle, right? <laughs> that was my strategy. See, the, the problem is, see, your pastor doesn't have hair anymore, right? So I, I can't have cool hairstyle. And skinny jeans, they're so expensive, Right? <laughs> Oh, 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 I forgot. And the sneakers, right? And the sneakers, the van sneakers. Uh, there was no way I could do it, right? And so uh, you have to deny whatever you know, whatever you have learned all through your life, and come to the Lord and say, God, help me. What am I going to do here? No. I mean, I was listening to Andy Wood from South Bay. I mean, he has cool, cool hairstyle, I'm telling you. Right? He has cool jeans and cool sneakers, and there are thousands of young people going to his church uh, every week. Well, what am I supposed to do? Eh? What am I supposed to do? What am I to give up and to learn from the Lord? And God took me back to when I was young. At 19, again, I was crying. I mean, God and we, God and we have a thing about crying. I mean, when I cry, he kind of show up. So at 19, I was in, it was in the second year of my uh, college. And uh, I was pacing the floor up and down in my dorm. Um, and I was crying because uh, I, I had a lot of anxiety. And during that time, I couldn't sleep at night. I was waking up. I was sweating. And I was afraid for no reason. I just, I had... I had issues, no? So when I was reading a book about the nature of God, I started crying for no reason. I was just walking up and down, and suddenly, swoosh, my goodness, there was this overwhelming presence that came upon me. I can feel it. And I heard a voice, and he said, I will be your father. See, my father died when I was 11. And I had a lot of hurt and grief that I haven't dealt with. 
Yeah. And, uh, and when God came to me and said, I will be your father, oh, my anxiety, my anger, my fear, some, some, somehow it evaporated. You know? But I had, to, I had to give up my pain. I had to disown my pain to somebody to feel that. See, at, at Exponential last week, this week, I was sitting with a cool young guy, a very young guy, cool, and he's a youth pastor. And we were talking, as we talk about reaching young people, he said, you know, uh, it's so much easier uh, to work with young people in the company than in the church. So I said, uh, can you please clarify what does that mean? And he said, you know, in my company, I, I manage 20 uh, millennials, young kids. And I say, you work hard and you'll get more money. It's a great motivation. You know, you work hard, you get more money. At church, um, follow Jesus and you will have peace. Uh, what motivation is that? It doesn't sound like a good slogan for a company, Right? I mean, follow Jesus, you'll have peace. No, work hard, you'll have money. Oh, I go for money. See, but at 19, you know, God took away my anger, my anxiety. And this peace that came over me, I couldn't buy it with money. You know? So I deny myself, I disown my dream so that I can... Discover God's dream for me. And, and, you, and young people, you may feel like, oh, follow Jesus and I'll have peace. Sounds like, oh, that's not so motivating and inspiring for me. I, I want to throw out that challenge to you. All the, all the pimples that you have on your face, I mean, maybe you should try Jesus. The zit will go away, I guess, when you have more peace. I don't know. Right? I don't know. See? The other thing is, so if you don't disown your dream, your selfish dream, you cannot discover God's dream for you. Are we clear on that? Yeah. Okay. Continue with this story with me today. The other one is uh, uh, take up your cross. You take our, what does that mean? Okay, cross means surrender. Just equate the cross with surrender. Okay? You can't, you can't skip the cross to get the crown. Okay? Jesus had to go through the cross to get to you and I. There is no way, I mean, he couldn't say to the Father, Father, can I skip the cross? And he said, No, no, you can't skip the cross. You got to surrender to Jesus Christ to live the life that he has intended for you. You got to surrender your life to Christ if you want to find the purpose that God has for you. Right? So what does that surrender mean to you? You know, and this is not a one-time deal. It's like, oh, I did it in 95 and I'm good, uh, eternal. No, it's an every, everyday commitment. It's an everyday denying of your selfish desire and ambition and going after God. You take the cross, surrender to Christ in order to live the life that God has intended for you. 
So at 24, um, I, had, I had just finished my master, um, and a group of us, we used to talk about what to do next. So actually, I started my ministry when I was 19, actively. I was in a college leading a prayer group. At 20, college ministry did very well. So what did we do? We decided, oh, let's do something. So we went to a recording studio, and we, we, we recorded some songs. And then we will tour different churches and do youth camp and sell cassettes. I know, I'm old. I mean, there was no iTunes or Spotify at that time, right? It's cassette. My, we sell cassettes, T-series cassettes, right? That's what we did, right? And, and we did uh, youth camp. Um, and, uh, and, and at uh, 21 to 24, university ministry exploded just for no reason. I don't know why. I mean, it exploded. Uh, I was teaching like English uh, in the English department, the University of Delhi, Job and Matthew, because Job and Matthew was one of their curriculum. I'll go and sub and teach there. But this was still my side job. I mean, I, I, I wasn't going to be a pastor. This was still my side job. And we used to talk about people that were going to seminary, how uh, lame they were, and they were not smart. That's why they go to seminary, you know. I mean, if you're smart, you, you, you study law or science or medicine or, or whatever. So I even went and uh, took a law and trans test, and I passed the law and trans test, you know, just, just saying. And uh, God called me. I wish I, I can have that back today, you know, when I look back. I wish I can have all that thing that the Spirit of God was doing. And I realized that I wasn't smart anyway, so at 30, I went to seminary. Yes. See, the thing is, you have to surrender your pride in order to serve God. Okay? When God calls you, the calling is important. It's God who appoints you and calls you. But when God calls you, do everything to equip your calling. I mean, find a mentor. Okay? I, uh, I call Dr. Hoyt when I'm uh, s- struggling, having issues. What about this, Dr. Hoyt? You know? And say, have you read that book? Read a lot. Read lots of books. Join a study group. If you have money, go to seminary. Learn. Keep learning. Keep learning. Surrender yourself to those things. When I went to seminary, I, I truly found I wasn't smart enough. It was so hard. You know? Learning. Follow. Take up. Take up the cross and follow. What is it that God is asking you to give up? When... When God calls you and your life is changed, you, He might ask you to change your job, the job that you're doing right now. He might ask you to change your lifestyle because that's not aligned with His call. It's not aligned with what He wants you to do. And pride, my friends, pride is a big deal. When I came here, I had to learn so many things to Silicon Valley. But in those process, when we were talking and looking down on other people, 
God was taking me through a life of surrendering and learning. And one thing I learned from Paul, you know, Paul is this amazing guy, Paul. What did he do? He is, he is one of the best Pharisees for me, right? Learned, educated man. In terms of passion, you can't compare with Paul. Persecution of Christian, you can't beat Paul. Conversion, so dramatic. I mean, who can beat uh, Paul's conversion? And he said, I count it all lost for Christ. I count all these things lost. You know, humility has a way to honor Christ. And in order to follow, God has called you to be a teacher, a doctor, tech worker, whatever profession that you are, a nurse. Right? You got to surrender to Christ every day in the profession that you live in right now so that you can make an impact in people's life. Unless we do that, how are people going to follow Christ? How are people going to follow Christ? So let's talk about following Christ. Okay? Deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Why do we follow Christ? Because he knows the way. If you want to lead anyone to, to Christ, to God, you have to follow Christ. If you don't follow Christ, you can't lead anyone to Christ. And if you are asking, I haven't been able to lead or point anyone to Christ, maybe, just maybe, we are not following Christ. Right? So, in order for people to follow Jesus, they have to follow us. Let me explain this. Let me explain this to you. So the first thing is Jesus knows the way. He is the way. You follow him and you can't go wrong. Okay. The second one is, when I first came here, Four years ago now, four years ago, okay? What is the first thing that I did for the church? One of the first ministry I did for the church was 31 days of fasting and prayer. That's the first ministry I did here, right? And some of you, when I called you and say, hey, come, let's go for fasting and prayer, your hands were like fish, right? I mean, I couldn't get hold of you. It was so slippery. But we still fasted and prayed. And Joel was the board president at that time. I mean, bless his heart. He encouraged me. I, I was, we were like this. Whether he wanted to do it or not, he was a pastor. I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to work with you on this. Why is that so important? Because this is what I have taught our church. That there is nothing significant that will happen in somebody's life without prayer. The Great Commission is paired with prayer. Do you know that? You have an, if you have an iWatch, you need an iPhone to pair together, right? To make the iWatch work. Great Commission doesn't work without prayer. You have to pair the Great Commission with prayer. That's what we did. We fasted and prayed. In fact, we've been fasting and praying every January for three years now. And we're going to fast and pray again next year, January, for 31 days. And I want you to be ready. Why? Because nothing spiritual significant will happen without fasting and prayer, my friends. And all the things that you have seen in this church is because of fasting and prayer. When I first came here, there was no salvation. We haven't seen salvation at Bethlehem for 18 years. 
And in one year, you saw salvation more than well, 18 years combined. You saw salvation there. Many of you have not prayed all your life so much as you have prayed in these four years all combined. You have seen people from all religion, all faith, no faith, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and giving their life to Christ and say, I will follow. You haven't seen that much of salvation in your spiritual life than what you have seen in these past four years. And that's a fact. Why? Because of prayer. Christ saying, follow me. Look at his prayer life. Before he starts his ministry, he fasted and prayed. Before he appointed his disciples, he fasted and prayed. For any important thing that he's going to do, he's praying. And that's what, we, that's what my wife and we have taught you here in this church. Right? The other thing is to be faithful. The other thing is to be faithful. This is important because I need to cover this of, uh, to let you know what God is going to do in this coming year. Okay? I, I said... We will be faithful. We will trust in the Lord and trust in God. And I've lifted up faithfulness and trusting in God. Every year when I come here, the board and some of the staff will say, Pastor, we're going to be in the red this year. Right? And I say, no, trust the Lord, you know. And the first year, because I was new, I, I, I didn't want to say anything. But we had a surplus that year. The second year, you can say some of you in the board in the finance said, "Oh, we're going to have we're going to be in the red this year again." Oh, we had more surplus than the preceding year, right? And the third year said, "Oh, we're going to be red. Our church is going to close." Oh, well, we had forty-nine thousand surplus in in the third year, right? And this year we're going to still have some surplus. What is this teaching you, my friends, church? When we go through rough patches in our life, I want you to remember this, that God is faithful, that He's not going to forsake us. Santa Clara First Baptist Church, are, are you with me? This is what we've been teaching, right? And, and how does this happen? That we're going to do this financial campaign project on the first Sunday of harvest, on the first Sunday of harvest, on the last Sunday of September, this September. We had an offering, and some of you thought, oh, this is not going to happen, Pastor. You know? We don't believe this will happen. These things, oh, we'll try. Okay? Well, you, you, you pledged, and we collected 400,000 plus in the first offering. I mean, does God have to prove any more to you, my church? I mean, is this God an idol or a stone that he can't, he can't listen to your prayer? He's saying, follow me. He's teaching faithfulness, generosity. He's te teaching you the power of prayer uh, and, about, uh, and healing and demons. Oh, we don't talk about that in the church, right? Well, we did. We have shown you. How, well, we have healed demon-possessed person here, and she was baptized here. God can heal we're not going out there and say, oh, all demon-possessed come to Santa Clara First Baptist Church. No, we, we, didn't, we didn't go out that way. Okay? But when it happened, God can deliver. And you have seen that. You have seen that in this church. People have been healed. Some of you that had the uh, uh, paralyzed on, on the right face and left side. Sunday morning, you say, pray for me. I can't feel anything. And we laid hands and prayed for you. And you say, oh, it's gone. 
Some of you are sitting here that have lost faculty to speech and to think, and you thought you were going to die, and we pray for you, and God revealed to you, and you are here, and you're leading life groups and taking care of uh, other people. This is what the Lord has done in this church. Follow me. This is what we have tried in this church. To point to God to follow Him. Not to Pastor Valui, not to Pastor Margaret, not to Sharon, not to Jerry, not to our staff, but to Christ, because He can do all these things. Are you hearing me, Santa Clara First Baptist Church? Do we need more proof now? We have prayed for four years and laid the ground. Why? Why? Because God is calling us for greater things. This coming 2020, God is going to unleash His work in our life. And we've been preparing for four years now to make you know that God is real and you can work with Him. That if you disown your dream, you will discover His dream, right? If you surrender your life to Him, you will start to experience His victory. If you follow Him, you will be able to lead other people to God. See, this is what this is about. This is what this is about. So when I'm going to unveil the new vision, because we have done the 2020 vision, the new vision is coming. When we inaugurate, when we have an open house, and when we have built this community park, we want to unveil a new vision that the Lord is calling us to do. Right? The new vision is the 300 vision. The soldiers of Gideon that God called the 300 to destroy and to defeat the enemies. And our enemies out there are, are in numbers like sands. It's just, and you think, oh, Santa Clara is so hard. Santa Clara is so hard. No, no. The harvest is plentiful. We do not have a harvest crisis. What we have is, we have a laborer crisis. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a laborer problem. What are we going to do about that? This is what we're going to do. This year, we will invest on the people that are here. Not on those that are outside that we don't know. We are going to invest in who we are. We are going to become one of the number one church in discipleship making. We're going to be... Did you hear that? Our goal is to be a top in the top church in disciple making. How are we going to do that? We've shown you four years now. We can do this. Right? So one big opportunity is coming Bethlehem. The people that raised your hand last Sunday, you want to serve in the ministry, God's calling you. Uh, I want you to come to the God track. Right? You'll see the God track picture. And the God track is at 9.30 in my office. It's how to discover your gifts, how to use your gifts, how to serve in this church, how to serve locally and globally. And this goes on every Sunday. We will help you with that. The other thing is, you don't know what you have to do, but you have this urge and passion and fire within your heart. You give your name to our discipleship pastor, Pastor Margaret, or me, or anyone. We're going to train you starting from now until uh, Bethlehem, how to reach out to people, how to share the gospel. Okay? 
And you say, oh, I, I may not hear. I, I want you to give up your fear to God. Disown your fear and see what God can do for you. Right? And say, oh, this is not my thing. And, you know, maybe sharing the gospel is not my thing. I don't do those stuff. Maybe just leave aside your pride, maybe. Uh, try to get dirty once in a while. It's okay. Get into messy life of people and see what God will do. We want to help you. Give your name. Write down on that connection card. Send an email to me. Text to Pastor Margaret. We will help you. We want a team that will point people to God and Christ during this Bethlehem. And we will pray for more salvation than even the four years combined. Right? You used to say here in this church that, oh, this conversion thing, people coming to Christ, it was like we talk about it, but we don't experience it. Well, every year, four years, you have experienced this. You have seen an atheist, a Hindu, coming and baptized here. Impossible thing has happened in this church. We can do this. We need you. Can we do this together? Yes. Are, are you with me? Yes. Because you were created, created to make a difference. Not just come and sit here every Sunday. You've been, you've been kind of lately sitting lately. I want to do something. Well, I want you. I want you. I want you to work with me. I want you to work with me. So we can change this community. Even this October, uh, light the night, you want to volunteer and just talk to the people that come there. Just have conversation with families and parents. You're good at that. You know, give your name to Pastor Margaret. She will place you in those different 14, 15 car, costume cars so you can just talk to the parents. Talk to them about school, about their kids. Which, which school are they going? You never know what that will lead into. You don't have to talk about this salvation and sin and blood of Christ and hell all the time, right? You can start with, oh, my kids is in third grade, second grade. See how that will lead you to the conversation of transformation and changes. Right, I've said enough for this. Uh, I wish I can have more time, but next Sunday we'll continue. Are you feeling like I'm feeling it? Are you feeling it? Yeah? Well, I hope you feel it, you know? 